Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Shaden, and this is a recording of our Bible study at Hope Collective Church that meets every Wednesday at 6.30 in the evening. If you are in between ages 18 to 40 years old, you are welcome to join. But for now, please enjoy this week's episode. So today I want us to focus on two things as we read this story. Younger son and the older son, right? One that mourns and one that does not mourn. So as you know, this story, the younger son tells the dad, I want my inheritance. Dad, I want you dead because what I have coming for me is worth more than you being here with me. As if that wasn't bad enough, it gets worse. That son, he goes off to a distant land and he spends it on junk to the point where he is eating next to pigs. Why is that important? The pigs were the most filthiest creatures ever. Okay, to us, That means nothing because we eat pig. Some of us might have pigs as pets, but to these people, there's like not a worse thing you can do than eat next to an actual pig. Yeah, we, we may not understand that, but think about one of the worst sins you could ever commit. It's like committing that sin. As the younger son was starving, he thinks I should go back home because back at home, at least I have food. And you know when you do something wrong and you go to apologize to somebody, most of us, we rehearse our, our apology, right? We, we come up with an excuse, maybe. But you have to pay very close attention to what this son actually rehearses. In verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of the hired men. And he got up and he walked to his father's house. Pay very close attention to what happens next. While the son was a far way off, as he's walking home, the father runs up to him. Remember, Jesus is talking to a bunch of Jews. In those days, if you were a Jew and you, and you told your dad, I want my inheritance, that Jewish father actually had the very right to beat you, even to death. And he says, the father ran to his son. Immediately, I bet you the Jews, the Jews were thinking, oh good, yeah, that man is going to beat his son. Because that's what I would do. Ooh, if that was my son, I'd give him dirty lickings. What's going to happen? Because that little boy, that son, deserves punishment. He deserves pain. He deserves to be killed. And most parents would beat their child because that's the only way that that parent would gain back honor in their community. But as Jesus is telling this parable, it doesn't go according to what's supposed to happen in those days. And he was filled with compassion. And he, flew, and he threw his arms around the child. The child rushes into his apology. and says, Father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm a sinner. I have done terrible things, right? I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's, that's all he gets to say of the apology that he rehearsed. There's another part to that apology that he doesn't get to. The father cuts him off. And usually when you're talking and you cut someone off, it's like you're saying, Okay, what you're saying doesn't matter anymore. I have something more important. And he turns to the servants and he says, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, a fattened calf, we're going to have a party. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. This is super, super important. Because the younger son went to the father and he was mournful. He was brokenhearted. He goes to the father and he says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. There is some sorrow there, some brokenness there. You have to hit a certain point 
in your life to realize that my dad will not take me back anymore. I've gone so far out of his grace. You have to sink very low in your life to realize that you're no longer worthy to be called a son. And when he came to that realization and he voiced that out to the father, the father cuts him off real quick and he proves to that son in front of everyone who's watching, no, 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 this is my son. In those days, only slaves were barefoot. He was already there going, look, I'm already a slave. I have no shoes on because I, I know I, I can't step foot in your house ever again as what I used to be. The father's going, quick, hurry up. Let's put this child back to the status who he is. Get the sandals, get the robe. Robes, by the way, were only meant for the highest status of guests. So like presidents, uh, delinquent sons, not really for them, but not to this father. To this father, that child deserves everything. Even the fattened calf, which is like they only, they, they save the fattened calf for a huge celebration. And here, this story, Jesus is saying, this is the biggest celebration. Don't you get it? When someone is brokenhearted and lost, and they've come to their senses of, I have blown it. I am so far from grace. There's no redemption for me. And they come back, and they confess that. That's the greatest celebration because I can restore them to who they are. But then there's also another part of this story. There's the older brother who has done everything right. Sometimes you think you're self-righteous. You actually deserve something from the father because of how good you are. And the story ends very sad because the older son, you don't know what happens to him. The father also is giving him an invitation Hey son, come and join this party. What was lost is now found. Your son is restored. Or my son is restored. Don't you want to celebrate? You don't know what happens at the end of the story. Does the older son go in? But what we do know is that the celebration was meant for someone that had a broken heart and returned. The older son lacked a broken heart. Therefore, he can't mourn. If he had a broken heart, a broken spirit, he would have mourned with the younger brother. He would have felt that pain. He would have felt that celebration when he came home. But he missed it. He didn't mourn because he never had a broken heart. So we're talking about mourning. And the mourning that we're talking about is a sadness and sorrow for sin. Mourning is going, man, I blew it so hard. Will God even forgive me? I don't know about you, but there's some times where I, I stay up at night going, is his grace really sufficient for me? If that's you in here, that's a very good place to be. Because the opposite of that sometimes is, good thing I'm not like those guys. I'm so good. God, I want this and I want that. And you expect God to dish all these things over because you behave so well. Mourn over your sin. But here is what you need to really pay attention to. There's a difference between feeling guilty and shame. Guilt can come from the Holy Spirit. Shame will never come from the Holy Spirit. And shame is this. I did that bad thing, therefore I am bad. That is not of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit is there to convict you, to make you feel sad, to make you feel sorry, in order to lead you to the Father. Shame, on the other hand, makes you feel bad, makes you feel sorry, to make you stuck in that identity, which is not of the Father. As you see in the younger son, he feels bad, he feels sorry, he feels unworthy. He doesn't sit in that pig pen going, I'm like this pig. What the younger son does, he gets up and he goes back to the father. 
But I think as we're talking about sadness and sorrow, what do you do when you read, the, when, when you read this beatitude? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And you go, I am not comforted. I don't feel God at all. The book of Psalm is a beautiful book. There's a lot of darkness in there. God, where are you? Where have you been? Why am I alone? There's only, I think there's only two chapters that does not end with an uplifting thing at the end. Because the ones that do start with, God, where are you? I'm all alone. They usually end with, oh, but you're always there for me. Right? They always kind of end on a high note. There's, I think there's two that do not end high notes. And this is one of them. I cry out for you for help. I'm all alone. You have taken from me everything. My closest friend is darkness. Curtain close. That's the end. That's pretty emo. Have you been there? This dark where nothing matters and you're suffering and it feels like darkness is all there is. That's the end of my story. I'll be honest. I've been there. I have been dealing with anxiety for a long time. And for one year, I, I struggled with panic attacks, insomnia. I think six, seven months, I only had maybe three hours of sleep every night. Throughout my day, I was dizzy because I didn't have enough sleep. And every night, I'd be on my knees, on my face, crying out to God, where are you? I would literally say, where the hell are you, God? Is this how you treat your child? I'm going to tell you straight up. Sometimes that beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, for they would be comforted. Sometimes it doesn't work. I'm not saying that this scripture is wrong, but I'm saying sometimes it doesn't work according to how you think it's going to work. He may not give you the comfort that you think you need. It may be more. Because when I was on my face, crying out to God, God, rescue me. I I could hear his voice say, I'm not going to rescue you. This is not about me rescuing you. This is about me calling you to deeper levels of intimacy and higher levels of authority in the kingdom. And you would think, okay, I got up off my knees, went to bed, and I slept fine. No, 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 no. For the next eight to ten months, nothing changed for me. I still struggled with panic, anxiety. I wasn't comforted like how I thought, but I was going deeper in intimacy with the Lord. I want to read this quote by Oswald Chambers. When you cannot hear God, you will find that he has trusted you in the most intimate way possible, with absolute silence. Not a silence of despair, but one of pleasure because he saw that you could withstand an even bigger revelation. Sometimes when we are in deep sorrow and sadness, and we wonder, God, where are you? Are you even real? Are you even a good father if you allow me to be feeling this pain and this sorrow? Maybe he's going, I'm I'm calling you for more. I'm calling you to go deeper. Psalms 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. For me, this is not, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but for me, when I deal with darkness, anxiety, depression, I feel like the Holy Spirit is going, get back to the basics. You're putting your mind on so many other things that actually don't matter. Because that's what anxiety is, right? Anxiety is your focus on so many issues that's in the future that you're missing out on what is present right now. And God's going, I'm present right now and you're missing it because you're focused on all these things. What is depression? Sometimes depression is looking back and going, oh, I can't believe this happened in my life or that. I have that traumatic event or I did this mistake. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm such a loser. God's going, would you just stop and be still and trust that what is the past is the past? Be still and know that I am God. I am good. I'm a good father. What I just talked about, anxiety and depression and sadness, 
that's not relation to the morning of the beatitude, the second beatitude, okay? I just went, on a, I just went there because that's an issue I thought we had to discuss if we're, if we're talking about sadness. <laughs> but in Psalms 51, this is a go-to if you ever feel like you've messed up. In my Bible, it is highlighted, it's underlined, it's circled because I've gone here so many times. David is pleading for mercy because right here, he is caught. He committed adultery. Not only that, he decides to get that woman's husband murdered. And here, he's going, I am so messed up. Remember what we just read in the beginning with the prodigal son? I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. David is doing something similar here. He's crying out, going, I've made such a crap show with my life. But what's very beautiful, he knows and he believes that the Father will restore him. Cleanse me and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's pay attention here to verse 17. You do not delight in sacrifice, so I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. I hope you're seeing now that these beatitudes are a huge deal from, from the prophecies of Isaiah to the kings, to the times of Jesus, to us now. These are the characteristics that we should have or we should aim for when we call ourselves Christian. We should be Christians not because we go to church on Sunday, but because we have these characteristics and traits that Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes. The comfort that comes from the Father is, you're my child and I love you and I will never leave you or despise you. But that only comes from a broken heart and someone who mourns over their brokenness and goes to the Father and goes, I am so lost. I'm so broken. Would you help me? Thank you for listening to this week's Bible study at Hope Collective Church. Feel free to join us next Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. if you are in between ages 18 to 40, or join our Sunday morning service at 8 or 9.30. See you next time.